Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. What's going on? How is everybody? Welcome to this episode of After 9. We are uh, approaching a long weekend. So here's your friendly reminder that apparently society needs the day before a holiday. Get your shit done. You need groceries. You need beer. You need wine. You need Mm -hmm. liquor. You need pot. You got to get it all by tomorrow because Friday, most things are closed. Good Friday is still a holiday in Canada, although I'm not sure for how much longer. It's weird to me that Good Friday is a holiday, but Easter doesn't really count as one these days. It's kind of strange, isn't it? Like, we work on Monday. I know schools are closed, but we work, and a lot of other people work on Monday, too. Yeah, a lot of people work. And for that matter, a lot of people are working on Friday, which I find interesting, too. Really? Yeah. I know it is a strange one, and I know it's a strange one for families, too, because um, they're in the same scenario that I I would be, where we're going to be in on Monday, it's going to be podcast as usual, that's great, but my kid's not in school. So it's kind of a strange one for a lot of people. A lot of people feel forced to probably take that vacation day. We can never be, like, in sync, it seems, with a lot of these dates. Everything's got to be all over the map, but... Here we are. That's the case. Let's get to a whole bunch of different things that I want to bring up on this episode of After 9. I'm going to talk briefly about the Ottawa school boards, but we'll do that at the end because I'm a little coveted out lately. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. good old-fashioned divorce. A divorce lawyer in America is catching a ton of negative headlines for what I think is probably a fairly honest take. This lawyer has practiced family law for 13 years, and she says... There are jobs that men do that women should avoid at all costs. Don't marry these people because they tend to be narcissistic and controlling and it could lead to divorce. So before I run down the list, do you think that a divorce lawyer is an authority on the type of occupations that you should avoid? They certainly would have a lot of insight compared to your average person like myself or yourself. Absolutely. But that said, every single case that they see is usually going to be surrounded by some form of of drama. It may not be amicable. So just take it all with a grain of salt, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's probably a good indicator, like a food for thought, if you will. Okay. She says, ladies, you should totally avoid... Pilots is the first on the list. Pilots. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just Mm. let this lawyer do it herself. This is uh, right from her TikTok, her explaining, stay away from these ones. The top five professions of husbands that women should avoid in no particular order. Fireman, police officer, military, surgeon, and pilot. If you look at these professions, what do they all have in common? the men in these professions they're gods in their profession right they are treated with a tremendous amount of respect and they have a lot of responsibility and they tend to be very narcissistic and very controlling (laughs) i wonder how it feels if you're listening right now as a pilot or as a surgeon or a cop or a firefighter or a member of the armed forces 
Well, I do find it interesting, though, that all, all those occupations she mentions, I never thought narcissistic. I never would have think would have thought that. However, if you had just told me as a fact, these are the occupations that men hold that are most likely to divorce, I wouldn't be surprised. And here's the reason why. It has nothing to do with the people themselves. I know plenty of very good um amazing husbands that are all of the, any of those occupations actually however where i see a point is that a lot of those careers are very demanding and you can be away from home for a long time and maybe in your mind you think it's a great idea but you don't really know what you're in for in terms of he's going to be away uh shift work that's a lot it's a lot on a family no matter if you're a shift worker as a female as a male uh, which means or maybe a mom or a dad it's hard on a family and it can impact your marriage so that part wouldn't surprise me at all but the narcissism part is the interesting part to me i never thought about that and it's that's interesting from the lawyer's point of view i i think when it comes to these inevitably ending up in divorce you also have to take into account their opportunity i would think that if you're a surgeon yeah, you probably meet a lot of women and have access to a lot of women that are probably quite into the idea of dating a surgeon. Same with a pilot. Pilots usually travel with at least three flight attendants at all times, and they go on a lot of junkets, and they stay in a lot of hotels. There's opportunity there. Uh, firefighters, cops, I mean, yeah, you're right. They work weird hours. Uh, they are generally looked up to in their profession. I don't know necessarily that I'd slap the narcissism tag on there, mm -hmm. but I also know a lot of cops that are very happily married. Uh, firefighters, yeah, I guess I know quite a few of those too. Military, I have no point of reference, but if, if that's going to be the test, narcissistic and controlling, uh, yeah, food for thought. I'll definitely give the lawyer credit because I think a good divorce lawyer is someone that we should all be listening to. I think they've seen it all, they've done it all, and they've probably had to deal with it in court at one point or another. <clears throat> but somebody uh, responded in the comments because her post was not popular. Not popular at all. People are shitting all over this lawyer. And one person said, well, what about women? Are there any jobs that women do that guys should try to avoid? Sure. She came up with one stay at home mom which is okay so that's so twisted i mean that's not really a good way to put it is avoid people with this career you know that you're not a stay-at-home mom unless you have a family with that person and you decide as a group as a team that that's exactly what you're going to do is have her stay at home with your children so i i don't know i find that a weird way to say it but i understand i assume from her point of view those are the people that are going to be hardest to fight in court after the fact that's exactly why she says stay-at-home moms will go for broke in a divorce because they're worried about the kids and know their own financial security is at risk mm. she obviously knew that when she posted this it was going to piss some people off because she signed off in the last video saying and this was my last tiktok <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. But again, if, if you're talking from your own perspective, then that's fair. That, that'd be fair to, to state what you've seen. You can't argue with that. You can say, hey, this is what I found, and these people tend to be very narcissistic. And when you're a divorce lawyer, perhaps you're fighting those people. You're fighting those lawyers, I should say, I suppose. Um, but you've kind of seen it all. So it's a good like overview, but it doesn't mean that if you are a person in any of those occupations that you're that you're going to be a shitty husband. Let's put that 
make that perfectly clear right now. Or a shitty wife if you decide to be stay at home. That's not it at all. Keep in mind, these people are at the point where this is obviously not a very amicable situation. There's a lot of fights and there's a lot of back and forth and, and they can take forever and it can get, uh, it can get really, really nasty. So that's what divorce lawyers see the most and that's her point of reference. See, I've seen similar lists, and one of the occupations that's not on this one that I usually see on other ones is realtor. I've heard that realtor is another one that's very, very similar. In any case, you're welcome to search her out if you want to. It won't be hard to find. Uh, we're going to keep blowing through different stories here. Did you hear about this family in Hamilton that lost their cat when they ordered a fucking pizza? This is so messed up. It's totally messed up. I'm going to let the story speak for itself. I'm going to play for you the plea that the couple made. Then we'll circle back and explain and fill in any of the blanks. He just kept telling me I thought it was a stray cat. Why Why didn't you bring him to the SPCA? If you can't yeah. eat the animal and you're so concerned for its welfare, yeah, yeah. why did you dump it? Like, I'm just going to keep going. I cannot rest or stay here or be here knowing my cat is up there with no food, no water, alone. no alone, no shelter. Scary stuff. So this family in Hamilton, Ontario, ordered from Domino's last Tuesday. So Domino's did what Domino's does. They delivered the pizza. The problem is the family's cat was sitting on the porch and the delivery driver picked up the cat and took off with it. A cat nap, if you will. Why would you do that? Right? Why the fuck would you do that? Why would you steal somebody's pet? The family, by the way, as soon as they realized what was going on, phoned Domino's. Domino's gets the driver on the phone. He says he thought it was a stray. But that doesn't really add up because he let the cat go. No. They say he drove about six miles and just let the cat go. Can you imagine what the cat thought? He was just having a nice little cat nap on the porch waiting for pizza. And then all of a sudden some asshole grabs him, drives him 10K away and ditched him. Yeah, that is how presumptuous of you, even if you saw an animal and you were like kind of sure that might be a a stray. I mean, obviously, this guy's full of shit, right? We can all understand that this guy's full of shit. He had other intentions with this cat. Yeah, he absolutely did. He was going to steal the cat, right? Was he going to steal the cat? Maybe he's going to try to breed cats. Did we check this guy's apartment or wherever the hell he lives to check if there's other cats that he just happened to pick up that he quote unquote assumed were strays like something's up there that's so weird the family did get their cat back which is great and and that's good it's i still want to know more about this hey here's the thought how about everybody stop stealing shit from other people's porches whether it's cats amazon packages or anything else piss off get your own shit you want a cat go to the humane society they've got lots of them available for adoption that must have been such a scary thing for that family. And by the way, what is Domino? How does Domino's feel about this? They're like, "Fuck, leave my name out of this, man." Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> Domino's didn't really do anything wrong. And one of the no. things that we're not clear on here is if this was a third-party delivery driver or if they actually worked for Domino's. But police are investigating. I mean, this was a an alleged theft. And even if this driver did honestly believe it was a stray, why would he just let it go? That cat was, I feel bad for the animal in this case, but I usually do when there's an interaction between a person and an animal and Mm -hmm. the animal gets the shit end of the stick. Uh, You've babysat before, I would assume? I did, yeah. One of my first jobs was babysitting, yeah. What did you do to keep kids entertained? Maybe they just wouldn't settle 
and and you knew I've got to get this situation under control. Uh, I need to take uh, decisive action. What did you do to calm the kid down? To calm, yeah, you know, I had I, I dealt with that a lot. Like I remember, like it was yesterday. Um, particularly one child that was always a little bit jealous of his sibling, and that was always an issue. But he had an outlet though, and that was uh, playing outside with whatever it was. I'd calm him down, let him get his energy out. Basically, that's what I remember. All right, well, let's go down to Florida for just a second here and hear from Lieutenant Fred Jones talking about Amber Chapman who was babysitting and decided to put the kid in the dryer. Oh, Jesus. We're not sure, you know, what caused this to happen. Just based on the interview that the detective had with the the kid, as well as the parents, it doesn't seem to be a behavior problem. So I'm not sure if it's just something that was going on with her. The child explained to the mother that he was in a lot of pain. And that's when the mother questioned, well, how did all of this happen? And that's when he explained that the babysitter had put him in the dryer. What in the actual fuck? Florida, you never cease to amaze me. To calm him down? Was that the the answer that they got when they asked her, the fuck? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. We've got to calm him down. Yeah. Kids all worked up. Going to stick him in the dryer. Or, hey, you know what? I mean, there's no fair in town, so let's go for a ride anyway. Here's the best we can do. We've got a dryer here for you. Or are you cold? Wow. Did you spill some water on your clothes? No problem. We'll just stick it in the dryer with you. What? Wow. What kind of an asshole thinks that's okay? Who the hell thinks that is okay? That is so incredible. Like, thankfully, this boy is okay. Obviously, I'd say shaken up. I guess that's a bad way to put it. Um <laughs> <laughs> But definitely, like, could you imagine, like, for life, this probably the child is probably very scarred from that experience, and this could have ended all in a uh, worse, in a very, 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 very bad outcome. Let's all be honest there too. But why on earth? What kind of test? This is that's what's scary about like getting a babysitter. Like for me, it's like I want to start looking for somebody to watch my kids on the occasional basis. A babysitter. That's what I'm looking for. That kind of story makes me say, you know what, fuck it. I just won't have a social life. Like, I'd rather just not have a social life. This isn't, mind you, this person's obviously very stupid if they thought that this would be a good thing to do. I don't understand. This is literally the opposite of what you should do when you're babysitting. Literally, one of the opposite things. That is right up there with, don't, here, here's a pair of scissors. Go take a run, kid. Like, what are you doing? Well, in all fairness, you do have a 50-50 shot at survival if you run with scissors. (laughs) (laughs) She put the kid in the fucking dryer. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, I'm not laughing uh, about the kid being hurt. I'm laughing that that actually happened. Do you pay the babysitter after you get home and the cops are there and you find out (sighs) that she ran the kid through the dryer? Do you still give her the money? No, I'm not giving her anything. I, no, you might get a, a lawsuit on your hand. I don't even know what to do in that case. Like, what would you do in that case? They put your kid in the dryer. Like, that is abuse. I mean, the kid, that babysitter is kind of a kid. How old is that? was the babysitter? Uh, the babysitter. Does it uh, say? Good question. Yeah, I don't have that in front of me, no. So this is going to be a kid, uh, I assume, or like a ch- technically speaking, a child. I would assume the babysitter is probably a teenager or maybe or something along those lines. She's 35. Yeah, like that. Well, that's the thing is like how twisted is this person? Isn't an adult? Like if it doesn't say, I, I don't know. I, that, that just worries me. It just worries me. The child was four, in case you're wondering. Jesus. I wonder if there's any part of it that's exciting for the kid. 
Like when they go and open the dryer door, do you think, oh, this is going to be fun? And then it starts to spin up and you think, oh, this is going to be fun. Eventually, you'd start to think, wow, it's getting really fucking hot in here. And I keep falling on my head. But I'm in the dryer having myself a day. <laughs> it happened to it happened to a girlfriend of mine. I'll tell this story. And, and my friends will always remain nameless. She said she was having such a great day with her kids. Everything was going well. She's like, ah, oh, they're so good. And she told them, go upstairs. You guys, you guys go ahead and get ready for bed yourselves. And you guys can have a movie night or whatever it was, right? Go on up there. And they go upstairs and she's downstairs in the kitchen. And all of a sudden she hears thump, thump, thump and screaming. I can't shut it off. So she runs upstairs. What is happening? The oldest kid put the youngest one in the dryer. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Well, that tells me that that kid is old enough to do their own laundry. If you know how the dryer works. <laughs> that would be my form of punishment, too. Like, congratulations. You know how to turn that on. Here's your dirty clothes. Thankfully, by the way, um, the kid was totally fine. But th th I j that I, I j boggles my mind that you would think this is a solution to my issue that I'm having as a babysitter. It's just uh, it's unreal. Kat, there's a couple stories in the news that I'd like to bring your way. We'll start off with the Bank of Canada, who today is going to raise interest rates, not a quarter point, a half point. That's going to be three quarters of a percentage point of an increase in less than three months. Hmm. This is Tiff Macklem and the Bank of Canada trying to do something about inflation. And in the past... That's always been the remedy for economists. Well, if you raise interest rates, inflation will drop. That's really just a theory, and we don't know if that's going to work in 2022. What I do know is there's a lot of people that are going to be in a shitty situation now. For years, the Bank of Canada has flashed around cheap credit. 0.25%. Get your line of credit, get your credit card, get your mortgage rates, all of it right here. Boom. Well, now they've decided it's time to raise rates because through a long series of events that mainly has to do with the federal government continuously printing money, we now find ourselves in a major inflation situation. So the bank's going to do what instinctively they do, raise rates. But the problem is there's a lot of people who can't afford those rates. Mm -hmm. So here's my question to you. Do you feel bad that those people now have to pay a much, much, much higher rate. I mean, a half point increase plus the 0.25 that got added on last month, that's a substantial amount of mm -hmm. money if you're paying a mortgage. Yeah, it, long term, that will hurt. That Especially will absolutely sting. When the banks are making absolutely epic quarterly yeah. profits. Yeah. So do you I, feel bad for these people that are now getting their rates raised? Or are you going to be one of those people who says, well, they knew the rates could go up when they borrowed the money. Shouldn't have borrowed all that money. Which one would you say you land on? Oh, gosh, I have to pick one because I feel like I'm a bit in between here. I don't I, I do absolutely feel bad. Like I, do, I never like would laugh in the face of someone who feels like they can't afford, you know, their, their home uh, with this happening. But at the same time, you do have to go in with that attitude. You absolutely do. And that's something that you're taught no matter where where you're at. Um, you know, when I first got my mortgage, th there wasn't the stress test we have now. It was not as hard. But. I had people who, like my father, for example, who was like, let's write this out. Let's tell you what could happen in, in the, in the interest rates. 
going forward. Would you be comfortable with this? Would you be comfortable with that? And you have to stick with what you'd be comfortable with knowing that those rates could go up. And yeah, everybody was warned. Absolutely. Like this could go up and it will go up by the way. It will continue to go up. It will always go up unless we are, you know, going through some form of recession. It'll, it'll certainly go up and it, it tests you and it sucks, but you do have to be prepared for that. That's kind of a part of being uh, a homeowner. So I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Of course, I feel bad. I'm not a monster. I feel bad for people who think like, well, fuck, I have to cut out so many things in my already on my list of shit I buy in a month. And now I'm going to have to cut that down more. Nobody wants to be in that position. We are being screwed in every which way. But at the same time, you do absolutely have to make smart decisions. Yeah. I mean, I've got a little bit of debt. I've got uh, a line of credit and uh, there's the mortgage that needs to get paid and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I think that this is just a, another sign and it should be the final decision that our decision makers really don't know what the hell they're doing. Surely the government must have understood that what they were doing was going to lead to record inflation. They must have known if they can look around the world and say, oh, shit, look, inflation is rising in America and Canada. You printed too much money, you assholes. That's why that happens. And now for the Bank of Canada to go from a quarter point to the next month, a half point tells me, yeah, the Bank of Canada realizes there's a problem and they've got to do something because people are looking at TIFF there saying, what the fuck? And TIFF's between a rock and a hard place. If he raises rates... He could very easily trigger a serious economic downturn in this country. And frankly, I don't think that's out of the question. I think that could still happen because there's so many people that are in over their head. And Mm -hmm. let's be very clear about this debt. Even if you think, well, you shouldn't have borrowed the money. You should have had enough saved in case the rates go up. This was loaned to them legitimately. They didn't steal that money from the bank or from the credit card company. This was properly loaned to them at a specific rate or at the rate of the day. I don't think anybody saw a pandemic coming or a global supply line crisis coming. I don't think anybody saw a need to raise rates three quarters of a point in two months. I don't think anybody saw that coming. So what do we do now? Are we going to have people defaulting on their mortgages, defaulting on their debt? Because that's going to cause an even bigger problem with the banks. I really, really hope that the bank has thought this through and really analyzed what the fallout is going to be from raising these rates. I think the solution is simple. They won't do it, but the solution is simple. They should leave the lower rates for existing debt. You can increase the rates on future borrowing. For example, if I don't have a mortgage right now, but I open one tomorrow, yeah, I'd be paying around the 1%, which is what it'll be after today's rate increase. But that uh, that rate that I had on my line of credit, the 0.25 from just three months ago, that should probably be grandfathered in because that's what people are used to paying. And on mm-hmm. top of the interest going up, gas prices, grocery prices, everything, that oh, inflation absolutely. is called inflation for a reason yeah. and yeah. people can't afford it. The whole thing you're trying to combat, you're compounding and making worse by raising rates this much this quickly. I'm not an economist, but I do understand a lot about how these things work. And I can tell you that they've got to be so surgically precise when they raise these rates. It's got to be so targeted and somebody has got to be standing on the throat of the big banks in Canada saying, just because we raise this rate doesn't mean you guys can go hog fucking wild raising rates yourself because you're just going to trigger an economic downturn or God forbid, a recession. 
because that's not what we need right now. Mm -hmm. We don't need an early 2000s style housing crisis where everybody is defaulting on their mortgage because their payments went up so much overnight that they have to make a decision between pay the mortgage or keep the hydro on or Mm -hmm. pay for groceries or gas. There's way too many demands on people's wallets right now. And frankly, I don't know that I trust the Bank of Canada to be the savior and solve this problem. I really don't know that they're the steady hand on the till that Canada needs right now. But that's not the only thing. We've talked a lot lately about childcare. We know that Ontario now has that deal signed with Ottawa. $10 a day childcare. In and around 2025, 2026, you should be down to about $10 <laughs> per child per day at basically any licensed childcare facility in Ontario. And they're slowly getting there. And that said, by the way, they haven't, we, nobody's seen a dime of savings yet. I know it's going to happen, and I suppose there's going to be checks sent out, but nothing's happened. There's a lot of daycare centers, by the way, and, and registered child uh, care places that still haven't been given the clear-cut plan on that. Well, now the opposition leaders, they need to get in on it because they're not getting any traction at all. In fact, I just saw a new poll this morning. I'm pretty sure it was from Abascus. And if the election were to be held today, this is how it would go down. If there was an election, the PCs would win a massive majority government. Doug Ford would pull out, they predict, 76 seats. He only needs 63 for a majority government. The NDP would get less than a third of that with 24. Nine seats for the Liberals. One seat for the Green Party. It's really, really bad. Uh, Doug's cruising to another majority government, so the opposition parties need to stand out. The Liberals' proposal? Not only are we going to keep the $10 a day childcare that Doug did with Justin Trudeau, we're going to double down and give you $10 a day before and after school care. They're also going to top up parental leave and bring back pay transparency legislation. As for the NDP, they say they're going to double down on ECEs instead of the $18 an hour that ECEs would be getting under the $10 a day childcare arrangement. They would get $25 an hour. Okay. I I, I think everybody knows. I think everybody knows and understands that I'm firmly in favor of a childcare strategy. And yes, we have to remove every barrier there is that prevents women from joining the workforce or staying in the workforce. We absolutely have to do that. But at some point, we got to ask ourselves how many billions of dollars the taxpayers have to pay for childcare. How cheap do we need to make it? Or now that we've made it cheap, how much can we keep investing into this? I mean, Andrea wants to bump that pay pretty substantially. That's what, a 25% increase, 30% increase in ECE pay. Uh, Steve Del Duca wants to make just everything across the board, 10 bucks. Like it's a goddamn pizza pizza value menu. I don't know. Like for me, especially when it comes to the NDP, like you might as well go out and promise everyone a unicorn because it's not going to happen for you anyway. So you might as well. I just think that they're that's fine. They're going to say whatever they whatever they want to say. Um, but I don't think they have a shot in hell. I really don't. I don't think any of them do. Huh? Listen, we uh, are currently watching the federal conservatives have a leadership race. If you're an Ontario liberal, you should pay attention because you guys are fully expected to be having a leadership race soon. 
Steve Del Duca, the leader of the liberals, is unelectable. This guy is not the person you should have picked. And you're going to see it on June 3rd when the results come in. They might as well just pull themselves out and save the money and start planning for the uh, 2026 election. Because this isn't going anywhere. I'm sorry to tell you, but Doug's going to win a massive majority government on June 3rd. And that's just the way it is. As for the NDP, I don't know how many chances they figured they should give Andrea Horvath, but here we are, and you're not getting any traction. I mean, if these polls hold up, 24 seats? Really? You had four years, a pandemic, four shutdowns, major, major spending scandals. You have a government that used the goddamn notwithstanding clause to override election advertising rules. This shouldn't be as difficult as you guys seem to think it is. This shouldn't be a hard election to fight, but the leader matters. And Doug's done a fine job over the last couple of months at standing out and getting headlines for himself. Not always good, but good enough. And the liberals and the NDP are just spinning their wheels. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a blowout on June 3rd. And I have a feeling that both opposition parties are going to be looking for new leadership in the next couple of months. But uh, let's switch gears here again. Let's get to masks for a second. A couple of post-secondary institutions in the area where we do our FM radio show have updated their masking policies. Wilfrid Laurier University has announced they're still going to end their mandatory vax policy on May the 1st. So just over two weeks. Okay. And is that, by the way, when is when is most courses done? Or isn't it done by then? I'm pretty sure they're done by then. Yeah. Like, this is really only going to apply to people who are doing a summer semester. Right. Okay. U of W is going to remove the proof of vax requirement on May the 1st as well. U of W, that's University of Waterloo, says they're also still planning to lift the mask requirements on May 1st. But Wilfred Laurier has said, ah, we're going to extend it till the end of May. What? I, I don't understand how so many people can go so rogue in so many different ways. But uh, last night, the Ottawa school board voted to reinstate mandatory masking. A showdown's coming with the parents, Cat. A showdown is definitely coming. I get that there's some parents out there that would really like to see all the kids masked up. They're scared, so the kids have to sacrifice. Okay, fine. If that's you... That's you. You're very much one of those me first and then the women and children and then the men get off the Titanic. Okay, fine. We'll ask the kids to do more to protect you because you're scared. There's a lot of parents that aren't okay with this. There's a lot of parents that think kids have done enough. They sacrificed enough. They've uh, lost out on so much. Their schools got shut down four times. Keep in mind this time last year they were closed and didn't open again until September. We're in a very different situation now, and there's really no data or science to back up the fact that uh, kids should be wearing masks in school other than the obvious spread of COVID and the fact that uh, it's airborne. I think everybody should understand that. Uh, chances are, if you're in any of those type settings, whether it be a school, a long-term care home, it's in the air. You're probably going to get it. That's just the way it is. You can install all the HEPA filters in, in classrooms you want. It's not going to change the fact that you're probably going to get it. And when it comes to the schools, I think most parents that don't send their kids to school in a mask or have told their kids it's okay to not wear a mask, you're probably okay with them catching it. I have to assume. So this is going to turn into a showdown because masks yeah. just came off and now the board is saying put them back on, but the chief medical officer is saying it's not necessary and I don't know 
if I was just a regular parent that kind of watched the news, didn't really, but sometimes, and I just read the notes that come home from my kid's school, I'd be so fucking confused right now. You've got the chief medical officer saying, don't worry about it. You've got the school board saying, you have to worry about it. And then a whole bunch of noise in between on social media. How does one make a decision on that? Yeah, that's well, and that's exactly it is. And it makes you wonder also, why did you make the decision or why are you making this current decision that you're making? Are you trying are you trying to find a balance? Are you folding to the pressure of one side versus the other, especially when it comes to this post-secondary stuff? I just I I'm curious about it. I really am. I don't understand how you can get away with charging what you charge. And I, I, that's where they're in like a rock and hard place because they are going to be charging, let's say, two different people, same program. One person is extremely um, pro-mask and pro-vax, and they're spending all that money with you, with you. But then you have this other student paying the exact same amount that is the opposite and hasn't been vaxxed, so they're not allowed on campus. And it, it is hard. Like, I will be honest with you, I'm so glad I don't have to make those choices. I really am not because you cannot make everybody happy. We know this. Not everybody can be satisfied, but if I'm paying X amount of money and educated at your school and you're telling me, sorry, you're, you're going to have to stay at home. You know, maybe I'd be thankful that I have the option to at least do that, but it's not fun. I've spoken with people who are at home still who haven't even had the chance to see their classmates face to face and they're involved in groups and they feel left out because they can't really participate if the in-group experience or they have still anyway they've met with those people because the students don't care and that's the thing is you're intermingling anyway like they might not want to admit it but there are inter- intermingling you know those vax with unvax it just makes no sense to me at this point i uh you know it's amazing that these institutes of higher learning are given the credit they're given that they're put on the pedestal that they're on when we've all figured it out Most businesses have figured it out. The government has figured it out that the Vax Passport does not do anything. It's not effective. It's not a tool that was stopping or slowing the spread of COVID-19. It's just not. But then you see these universities doubling down on it. And I just don't understand it. I mean, if they want to have a mask policy, I don't get that. I I really, really don't, especially when the chief medical officer has said, you make your own risk assessment. Okay, if you are more comfortable in a mask, by all means, wear a mask. It's recommended you wear a mask, but we're not going to force you to wear it. I don't understand why the school would say, mm, all right, well, we'll do it then. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And the mandates on, on vaccination, I mean, that ship sailed months ago. What do these schools not understand about that? How can you take them seriously as an institution of post-secondary learning when they don't even have that basic thing about the pandemic down pat yet. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'd love to hear an explanation for it. I'd love to hear what the goal is in keeping this in. In fact, if you happen to be a a staff member at Laurier or U of W, could you explain to me why now still and for another three weeks you have this policy in place? Because I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, There was one more thing that, oh yeah. We're going to talk about uh, fashion here, Kat. A, a fashion segment on After 9. A fashion segment. Look at us go. Le Chateau is back. They say their clothing line is going to return to brick and mortar stores later this month. The latest collection is now online and it will soon be available in 37 Susie Shear locations across Canada. 
They Look say that. the new concept stores will feature clothing from both brands. The Suzy Shearside will offer casual, weekend, and work attire, while Le Chateau focuses on dresses, footwear, and accessories. Suzy Shear's parent company stepped in to buy Le Chateau's intellectual property and designs when they filed for creditor protection back in 2020. You like Le Chateau, right? I don't mind Le Chateau at all. I mean, doing doing the radio thing, you know what it's like. You do a lot of like live on location things, and Le Chateau was always my jam. When I was there, it was it was great, and you find some great deals. Back when there was a lot of events to to go to, um, I think they've got a great selection of of dresses and accessories for dresses. So that was usually you know a place that I would look at, one of a few that I would look into if I had an event. I'm happy to hear that the brick and mortar's back. You you are able to shop online, but for some people it's just it's too much. It's overwhelming to shop online. But I know there's a lot of people who really miss Le Chateau in brick-and-mortar form. So I think this is a good mix. Susie Shear's not one that is a go-to for me personally, but the fact that, they are, that they've obviously teamed up because they own the, the rights to it, then, yeah, I'll check out the store. I'm actually kind of excited to, to check it out and see if there's any differences. I'm curious if they can make it. It's hard right now. It's hard for retailers, um, clothing store retailers, I should say, specifically. You know, when you walk through a mall, and I'm not sure if these are going to be just placed in malls, if they're going to do an outlet form, we don't know, because there's outlets of both, and they're both in malls as well. They used to be. So I'm not sure what the plan is there. But as you walk through a mall now, I mean, it's hard for any clothing retailer. So if you can team up together and maybe that makes it easier and you are able to separate. And I mean, you mentioned, okay, so it's more casual over on this side. Le Chateau is going to take care of more of the fancy stuff on that side. I know there's a lot of men, by the way, that really, really like the men's stuff. So I'm not sure if specifically they're going to bring that back for brick and mortar. But I know that there's a lot of guys that like those suits, for example. Really? Yeah. Do guys wear suits from Le Chateau? Yeah, the Le Chateau men was actually quite popular. Yes, absolutely. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's great. I I don't know how they've managed to stay afloat selling clothing online. There's a big difference between women and men's clothing, particularly with the fits and the styles. And for me, no problem at all. I know my waist size. I know the length of my legs. I can order jeans from just about anywhere. As long as I understand the cut, I'm good. Is it tapered? Is it boot cut? Is it whatever? Okay, fine. I'm good. I know that whether I order jeans from Old Navy or or uh, American Eagle, I, as long as I have that right waist size, the right length, and it's a straight cut, I'm good. It's so different for women. So different. Would you really buy a gown for a ball? Online, Because that seems like a crazy proposition to me. You'd really be rolling the dice that you were going to get the fit that you want, that you probably could get if you could go in and try it on. I'm a maniac. I ordered my wedding dress online. So like, for me, it's not too daunting um, to do it. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot more to it as a woman when you are shopping online versus shopping in, in the stores. Because we have a lot more to think about, absolutely, when it comes to, you know, pants. Does it fit the booty right? How is it shaped? And a lot of things, uh, things are more fitted. They tend to be anyway. I know there's a lot of guys that will rock fitted clothes too. That's great. But for women, there is a lot to, a lot to take in. So going there and physically trying on the dresses or whatever it might be, the dress pants and checking things out in person. Yeah, I know that's going to benefit a lot of people. Uh... We'll talk about a couple of wedding stories here. I want to start off with this one. Uh, Maid of Honor apparently had just a fantastic idea 
for a maid of honor speech that she had to give when her best friend got married. There's a lot of people who would love to be a maid of honor or a uh, uh, best man, but they're afraid of public speaking. And I kind of get the impression that this girl was in a similar boat because when she got up to give her maid of honor speech, she decided, I could tell you how great this couple is, but I've got something else that I think will show all of you how great this relationship is. The maid of honor saved a voicemail that she got from the bride gushing over her future husband after they went on their first date. After the date, the bride called her bestie and said, oh my God, I went out with this guy and he was so good. The, the maid of honor now, all these years later, still had that voicemail saved and played it at the wedding. I'm going to play a little bit of it for you and then we're going to talk about those speeches. He just seems like very sweet. So I was like kind of like weirded out because like he's like gorgeous, like so attractive. He also just like seemed super genuine and sweet. And so I was like, okay, either like he's trying to get something or like he's a catfish. He's just like so sweet. So yeah, life is life is really fun. That's just a Aww. little bit of it. But hey, mission accomplished. You certainly portrayed to the crowd that that she's really into him and she has been since the first time she saw him. That's awesome. Although I imagine she was probably extremely embarrassed that that voicemail got played in front of everyone at her yeah. wedding. But she did still get out of the speech. And when we talked about this today on our FM radio show, one of the things that stood out to me was the amount of people that texted in and and suggested different ways to get out of the public speaking aspect of being a maid of honor. One person texted in and said, guys, I had the best maid of honor speech ever. I organized a flash mob to dance to the time of my the time of our life. It was the best speech ever. Uh, it wasn't really a speech. Mm, sorry, it wasn't. Should we just ax that expectation from best men and maid of honors that they give a speech? Because it seems like people spend a lot of time either poaching a stock speech from online or something that they heard somewhere else, or it's a complete disaster that is just going to bore people to tears for 10 minutes. Yeah. Or they do something that's not a speech anyway. Should we just take away that expectation? Well, I, a couple of things on this. I mean, it all depends on the bride and groom. So if you're chosen, like for me, if I'm chosen as a maid of honor, and I have been a couple of times, I, I know exactly what the bride, uh, my friend or my sister or whatever it might be, would want. I know them well enough to know what's going to be a waste of time. Do I think it's a waste of time? They know me, so they know that I'm going to do my thing anyway. I'm not going to sit up there for 15 minutes because newsflash, nobody gives a fuck. Yep. Nobody wants to hear Anything, if it's going to go longer than 15 minutes, and I would actually argue like seven minutes, but okay. So let's say you want to give a speech. Great. Make sure that the person, I don't know, like for me, it's about what they want. And case in point, I don't know, my, my, my best friend got married. I, I gave a rap. I rapped. I did a Myself and my husband, we were uh, the best man and maid of honor, and we made up a rap based on how they met each other and their their love story. And, and that was pretty good because it was easy, and it only took a couple minutes, and I was done. I didn't do a long speech or anything. It was just DJ spin that shit. I did the thing, and I got off the stage, and that was it. And everyone thought it was spectacular, and I was done. 
because I don't really like speeches. I did a speech for my sister's wedding, fine. But it, for me, it's always got to be based on that person. So the person who did the the dance, the flash dance or whatever, I would assume that means that that couple is into that kind of thing. But ask yourself those questions. What is this couple into? And does anybody else care about it? Those are the things you have to ask yourself before you go on stage to say whatever you want to say and make sure it's genuine. I love that story that you told, though, about the voicemail because... How cool is it that that person even has that and kept it? Because when I think back to, you know, when a lot of my girlfriends who ended up getting married to the people that they were with at the time, when I think back to when they first started dating them, that would have been cool to keep the, even if it was like a text conversation to print that off or it was a voicemail keeping it like you wouldn't even think to do that. So it's kind of a good idea if you do have a good friend or someone who starts to date somebody else to kind of take that in because it does get you off the hook. But when it comes to those speeches in general, a speech is fine and it could be, you know, from the heart and it could be awesome. And some people really like them. But for me, you got to keep it short. It can literally ruin a night. And for me, I remember a few years ago, I was at a wedding. It was for a family of my husband on my husband's side. Holy shit, Scott. The speeches carried on throughout the entire meal and dessert and leaked into like dance floor time. Like that's how long it went on. And they talked about things that were all inside jokes. Nobody knew except for you and maybe the the parents of those kids. Nobody knows what you're talking about. And now we all just want to go home. And I remember the dance floor actually finally opening. It was like 11 o'clock. I was like, get me out of here. I would have stayed longer. I would have had a fun time. I got to get the hell out of here because you're taking way too long. Yeah. I Okay. So one more question on this and then I'll, I'll give you a different take. What if... My best friend, the person who probably should be my best man, is shitty at speeches, shitty at public speaking, or they're nervous about it. Should I overlook my best friend, the one who rightfully should be the best man, in favor of somebody who I know can give a speech and is going to get a great roar out of the crowd? Because if you put so much effort into planning your wedding down to the details of the the decor and what's going to be on the chairs and centerpieces and all that bullshit, why would you let an amateur that really doesn't want to do it anyway get up and hold the microphone for six minutes? All recorded. People ask me all the time, hey, can you give a speech at my wedding? Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. When I give a speech at a wedding, I'm probably going to talk about 15, 20 minutes, but it's going to be funny. I'm going to talk about a lot of relevant things. Some of it has nothing to do with you or the wedding. Some of it will be about weddings in general. But I'll do a, a, a routine. No problem. But I don't want to be the best man. I don't, there's way too much responsibility that goes into that bullshit that I have no time for at all. So I'll just usually ask, can I just be the MC? Can I just introduce the other speeches and I'll give a little speech while I'm doing that? Is that good? And that's a good compromise. But maybe if you're going to put this much effort into planning your wedding, you should also plan out the entertainment. You took time to figure out who the DJ was going to be. Maybe you should put time into getting a good speaker to be your best man or your maid of honor. Have them give a speech that's good, that people are entertained by. Not this person who wants to jump up and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to dance. Everybody dance in the middle of the dance floor. Come on, let's dance. That to me is not a speech. In fact, I would fucking hate that. I'd walk right out the door, I think, if that happened. Yeah, I I don't know. It's hard for me to give you my my take on it because for my wedding, for example, we didn't I didn't even have a bridal party. I didn't expect anyone to make a speech at all. Um, I, I asked if anyone wanted to say anything, and a couple of people stood up and did, but it was more of a very casual 
um, around our like the dinner table in Vegas kind of thing, just giving speeches and having fun. It was nothing formal at all. That was me, though. That was what I wanted. So, again, I, I do stress that it depends on what they want. But it just sucks to be like a guest somewhere where you don't want any of that. I don't want to hear your best friend from college who's a shitty speaker talk for 45 minutes like it's just kind of like okay can we and don't shut listen if you're gonna do that sorry i'm gonna get on a tangent here but if you're gonna do that do us all a favor and keep the bar open don't close the fucking bar and expect us to listen to a 45 minute speech about shit that we don't know anything about so have it both ways at least let us go get a drink a little bit yeah i I usually stock up right before the speeches start it's kind of like uh uh squirreling away food for the winter you've got to stock up to keep yourself entertained (laughs) that's exactly it uh while we're talking weddings ben affleck and jennifer lopez are talking a little bit about how ben proposed to jen this time the 2022 proposal she was naked at the time i probably would have done the same thing ben if i walked in and j-lo was standing there naked i'd probably get down on one knee too uh here's j-lo talking about the proposal it was totally unexpected. My love came in, Ben came in, and he got down on one knee, and he said some things that I'll never forget. Then he pulled out a ring, and he said, will you marry me? And it was the most perfect moment. Because he's so lucky, it's not often you get a second chance at true love. We feel very lucky. I love you. I love you too. Well, she knows where it is. She's been there many times. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. So, okay. First of all, I just want to make it perfectly clear. I love J-Lo and I love Ben Affleck. Isn't it? It's such a rarity that something like this happens. Let's not forget that this guy proposed to her 20 years ago, like almost 20 years ago to the day he proposed to her. What was it like the first time? And did he think back to that first proposal and go, fuck, I got to do things a little bit differently, I guess. I I mean, whatever he said must have been good. She said yes. And they're excited to finally, hopefully, get married this time. For those who don't know, they were engaged, but they never ended up getting married. And and then life changed courses for both of them. And they both had children with other people. And it's, it's a lovely story. They got back together. And it is very rare for you to get a second chance at love like that. And that's all true. Fine. But is like from Ben's point of view, from a guy's point of view, can you tell me like how weird that that probably is for him to propose a second time, knowing that by the way she's been proposed to by many men and married many, several of them, married several of them, and you've been married before too, sure. But knowing that how many proposals she's probably had, was this just one of those like, hey, I, I got to get you where nobody else has before, and I got to. There's a lot of things that, that are, are crossed off the list. Like someone proposed to you at a dinner, someone proposed to you here. Okay, maybe I'll get you in the bubble bath. That's where I'll get you. Yeah, I uh... see. The thing is, I don't know how Ben really feels about her. Like all those years that he was married to Jennifer Garner, for example, was J Lo the one that got away? Or is this just sort of what he's settling for now? And I don't mean that in any sort of a disrespectful way towards Jennifer Lopez, because I'm sure she's great. She is great. I've met her, actually, and she's a lovely woman. But I don't know where his head's at. I mean, if this is really, he feels like a new lease on life, this is uh, the future, he feels like she's the one, then I'm sure he was very excited to do it. If this is just sort of an obligatory thing or it just checks a lot of boxes or it's convenient, makes sense, I don't know. 
Yeah, why not? She's in the tub? Yeah, she's probably never been proposed to in the tub. Odds are. So I'll just go in there and do that. You know, I mean, there's a lot <laughs> right. of different ways that this could have gone. Uh, it, it sounds like it was a, a little lazy. I would have thought that with Ben's money lazy. and means, he probably could have done something. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have gone to the top of the, the Empire State Building and had a dove fly the ring in on its wing. He could have. <laughs> but just a regular, hey, we're at home, she's having a bath. Yeah, I'm going to go and do that. Yeah, but you know what? There's something really like nice and intimate. Like when you're not trying to put on a show, when you're just being real. And maybe tub time was like their time or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. Who cares? Like, I don't know. I think that there's something really nice and intimate about about it. That's good. And everybody has their own story. I, I would be okay with that, I guess. I would just want to make sure that I took care of everything I wanted to take care of in the tub. Like if I'm just there to relax, cool. Yeah. You proposed to me. That's awesome. Come join me now. But if I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I got like, I got shit to do in here. Could you give me like five minutes and then uh, we can uh, celebrate together? Just got one more leg to shave. <laughs> give me a few minutes and then we're going <laughs> to pop some champagne. The shower head was almost done. Just give me one sec. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You I'm know, like, there. just give me a few more minutes alone and, and I'll be fine. Well, I guess you can hold it now because, fuck, you just interrupted me. So here. <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck, we're already at time and there's so many things we didn't get to talk about. So just quick Coles notes. You'd be shocked at the amount of people in their 20s, 30s and 40s who think it's still perfectly acceptable for their parents to be paying their cell phone bill. That say in this day and age with expenses the way they are and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, if your parents can afford it, they should be paying your cell phone bill. It's a new wow. survey that came out today. Wow. Um, I still pay my kids cell phone bills and they're in their yeah. 20s. I so I, 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 have, <laughs> I don't mind doing it, but I also know that they're university students and they're quite busy and sure. they don't have the opportunity to work as much as I do. They also don't have the means that I do. And if I can afford to take that expense off their plate, I, I do that, and that's why I still pay their cell phone bill. But it's not something I brag about. If I've got a buddy who says, yep, kid just got a new cell phone, made them pay for it themselves, and they got to they gotta save up 50 bucks a month from their, I don't know, paper route or however kids make money these days, I wouldn't admit, yeah, my kids are in university and I still pay the bills. It, yeah. It's just not a popular thing to admit, I feel like, is it? Yeah, no, I, I mean, and there's a fine line, and I understand where you're coming from because your kids are in university. You're absolutely right. They're focused on that. Is there anything that they pay for, though? Like, do they pay for their own gas for their cars there? Are there bills that they do pay? I mean, me, OSAP, it, it's all coming out of the same general pot because... Damn. Uh, See, yeah. that's where I would... A good, And that's to each their own, to each their own. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. Nope. There's no way. You'd make them pay. I had to pay yeah. my bill. My mom has never yeah. paid my cell phone bill. You know, I learned a lot in doing that. And I remember, and I know things are different now, and cell phones do a lot more than they used to when I was in high school, for example. But when I was in high school, and it was right in the beginning, I remember it was like grade nine, I wanted a cell phone like other people, and I had to buy a card at the time. That's the only way you really, that most people used it. And my parents were like, cool, 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 get a job. And in high school, right then and there, I got a job so I could afford to do that. And it taught me a lot about money. It taught me a lot about earning money and saving money. And I ended up buying my own car at 16 years old. I bought my own car because that 
first moment of, okay, I need to get a job if I want to have a cell phone. Wait a minute, I need to work more hours if I want to save up for a car. It's just like, for me, it was like the starting point. And, and I don't want to take that away from my kids. I want my kids to have, to understand the value of a dollar, even if they're in school. All through school, I paid for things. My parents helped me, of course. I stayed at home during school. So it's a little bit different, right? Where I got the chance to stay at home. They were paying for food at the time for me. We all are lucky enough, hopefully, to have our parents help us out. But that's one thing is those little extras, those little things that aren't necessarily necessities, but things you want. I want my kids to be able to do it themselves. Work hard and then pay for shit yourself. At a certain point, I am going to cut, I would probably cut my kids off of those things. I mean, I'm always going to make sure that they have a place to live and, and food to eat, of course, but I need them to learn. And for me, I learned a lot in, in working really hard as a young person to save up for things. And I feel like I've taken all of that information in. And through the years, I've been able to, you know, f- financially be comfortable because of those early lessons. So I would want my kids to learn those. And phone bill is one of many different ways that we can do it. Um, some people this morning, when we talked about it on our morning show, said for me, it's if they're not in school, then they're cut off. So as long as they're in school in some way, shape, or form, I will continue to pay. And maybe that's the way that you do it, for example. And that's great. Hey, if you have a way that you do it, cool. Some people think it's mean if you try to cut your kids off uh, in any way or make them get a job. Okay, then maybe you grew up different than other people. Like for me, I just know the way that I'm going to do it, but I'm definitely not judgy on other people. 21% of adults under 30 say their parents still pay their bill. More than one in five adults under 20 say their parents still pay their bill. 8% of people between 30 and 45 say the same. So what's the oldest acceptable age for someone to still be on their parents' plan? One in four think you should be paying for your own phone by the time you're 18. 27% said sometime between 18 and 25. Those are your post-secondary years. Okay, yep. 32% think even older than that is okay. And 28% think it's always acceptable, no matter how old you are, if your parents have the means to do it. Imagine that. Your parents are retired. They're they're sunbirds. They winter down in Florida. Ah, they've got money. Why am I paying a cell phone bill? They should do it. Live with yourself, though. Like this boggles my mind as that adult, that grown ass adult at 27 years old, let's say your parents are paying for yourself. How does that make you feel? Do you feel accomplished that your parents are paying for that when they could be saving up for retirement? Like to me, I just feel, feel like it's so selfish. And on that, we are going to say thank you for downloading this episode of After 9. We didn't get a chance to talk much about the death of Gilbert Gottfried, but that's a tragedy. There's been so many great comics that we've lost in the last year. Yes, there has. And you know, what's interesting too, Scott, what people are finding it um, interesting is that he tweeted out a photo of himself, Bob Saget, and uh, Louis Anderson, um, all three of whom passed within like four months of each other, which is crazy. But he had tweeted that photo out after Bob Saget had died, saying this photo is very sad now. So a lot of people are sharing that same photo, saying it's very, very sad. If you do take a moment, you want to like remember Gilbert Gottfried, or maybe you don't know a lot about his comedy. For me, his stand-up was never really funny, but what he did at roasts and when he was on hollywood squares back in the day i would suggest you youtube those because he was really fantastic one of a kind at doing those have yourselves a fantastic wednesday we will be back tomorrow one more episode of after nine this week before the long weekend Hiya, schmucks! No, no, a thousand times, no! 
Boy, Jafar's gonna be happy to see you. I did no preparation. I just went in and had fun with it. When she heard that Phileas Fogg had done it in 80 days, journalist Nellie Bly beat him by doing it in 72 days. What did she do? Get through to the cable company. <laughs> wow, why do I keep having these silent farts? What's wrong with me? And the doctor goes, well, first of all, you're going deaf. <laughs> <laughs> The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.